1: Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 324th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. Go upgrade your audio game today at AudioTechnica.com. I am your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me as is tradition, my podcast, Ride or Die, the... Mozzarella stick to my marinara sauce. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ellie Hart. Miss Ellie Hart. How the bloody hell? Oh
0: yeah, I'm doing good. Surprisingly, I've only tried mozzarella sticks ever since moving to the states. I had never had them before, and gosh, was I missing out! As a lover of stuffed crust pizza, I was missing out.
1: They're not a very common thing over here, hey, in Australia. Like no. there is some some restaurants and, and pizza hubs now that are starting to try and embrace the, not a fad, but like the greatness that is a mozzarella stick. But when you get them, and, and that nice gooey mozzarella inside is nice and warm and soft and stretchy. And then they get that good marinara sauce with it. It is a flavor profile that just blows your head off in all the right ways.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely delicious. And now I'm also being accustomed to Korean hot dogs where they'll do half cheese and half sausage. And it's done in like a rice flour kind of, instead of like cornmeal, which I think is for corn dogs, it's in like a rice flour kind of uh construct and they deep fry it and it is absolutely delicious and you get it, sauces you can cover it in potatoes some people cover it in sugar but oh i'm absolutely spoiled over here sometimes
1: yeah we're in a, a bit of a, a food heyday you might say oh like food's always been great but like i guess the the experimentation is more and more frequent with crazy flavor profiles like i had um had a bit of hot star during the week. Shout out to the uh, the giant Taiwanese fried chicken. Big, big, big fan of the giant uh, giant schnitzel or giant nuggets that's seasoned and salty and delicious. And they're, um their sweet potato fries, they do. They sort of roll them in this type of coating where they get like a little bit of sugary sweetness to them. So it's almost like, doesn't like dessert might undersell or oversell it a little bit, but you get your get your sweet potato fries and then I get a bit of plum seasoning over the top and it tastes like almost like a sweet, tasty treat, but also like a chip. And it is it's this weird merging of flavors and your brain is trying to work out, yeah, is this dessert? Is this a side dish? What is going on? But either way, it's a great time because I love sweet potato.
0: I hate sweet potato. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 a fan of the the other traditional potatoes, but when it comes to sweet potato, blah, no boy no.
1: Oh, it's a shame. I'm a big fan. Big fan of sweet potato or as the the Kiwis call, it, I think it's a Kumara, I think that's what they call it oh. in in New Zealand. I could be way off base, but it, it seems to make sense in my head as I say it out loud. But uh shout out to sweet potato. Shout out to no. I guess potato in general. Just we'll potatoes in,
0: potatoes in general. Let's keep let's keep a happy yeah. even between the Irishmen.
1: Yeah, well, that's Woman. it. You, you hate sweet potato. I hate mashed potato. We meet in the middle and have all the it's other potatoes. Call the
0: whole thing off, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, but let's not call this episode off because we've got plenty of things to talk about today. We've got some good news. We've got some rumors. We've got some uh, opinion and impression pieces we can share as far as things we've been playing. But I'm going to jump in and I'll talk about something that I watched. We talked about it in episode 323. Oh. We three. We're going to try and watch this together, but I see... I have uh, taken this battle on head-on alone because uh, my Miss Heart Soldier did not make it to the battlefield in time.
0: To be fair, it like released today, like so. I, I no excuses. I, <laughs> but I was I was very, I was very cocky last week, and when we went ended the episode, I actually said to Brandon, "I'm like, oh shit, my brain didn't realize that it's actually coming out <laughs> next week, not this weekend." So that's on me not figuring out how days and podcast releases work. So that's on me. I apologize. Yeah, but you'll
1: get there. You'll get there. And um, yeah, obviously we're we're talking about if, if we if you haven't listened to the full entirety of episode three twenty three, we're talking about Evil Dead Rise, which is mm-hmm. the latest entry or the fifth installment of the mainline Evil Dead film series. The film stars Lily Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland, and they're playing as two estranged sisters. Uh, where they're fighting a whole host of uh, evil deadites and demonic creatures. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil the story. Anyone that's seen a trailer will probably know that um, bad things happen to some of these lead characters, and then they must uh, escape or dismember in a whole heap of very violent and creative ways. Like uh, the short version of Evil Dead Rise is it is a phenomenal entry into this broader Evil Dead universe. The tone is perfect, it feels right at home, with not only the original three films, but also the 2013 Evil Dead film, where we are getting copious amounts of gore, and genuinely freaky, shocking, skin-crawling moments, but then there is a couple of little bits of comedic elements thrown in there. Once in a while, it doesn't like get to the point where it completely ruins the... The, the, the tense vibe and just this the feeling of unease watching this movie. But there is a couple little little lines where you're like, yes, that's great, or yes, it's a homage to the original films. And so it's taken that original formula, ripped it pulling and screaming, all the way from, you know, the seventies and eighties right into into now in the in the current day set in America we've gone away from the traditional cabin in the woods type of trope that Evil Dead is so used to and we're instead in like a a multi-rise apartment tenancy complex in the United States and just that formula alone really changes changes the the things you're familiar with from that Evil Dead beat by beat that they usually follow but it is so good Uh, it doesn't Overstay it's welcome it's got a pretty tight runtime it only runs for 97 minutes so okay. it's good it's not too condensed it doesn't disrespect the viewers time it just uh you know straps you in on this journey and does not hold up till the very end and there is some very very mem- memorable moments some very shocking skin crawly gross moments as you as you come to expect the practical effects that they utilize in this film are phenomenal it's just super queasy super gross super unsettling it's what you want from a from a good horror like some of the body horror and some of just the the gore and the brutality in this it's like holy guacamole like there was a few times where i was like wincing and you know watching sort of side-eyed out of out nice. of just one eye because it was a little unsettling but it is so good and I'm very excited for more people to watch this movie because it's reviewing really well. Uh, hopefully it's making a good amount of money at the box office and they can continue to build out this broader Evil Dead universe mm-hmm. and play more with the, the lore because it is so great and I absolutely adored every minute I had with this film. Uh, I was smiling ear to ear when I left I was also feeling a little uh, a little queasy because there was some intense moments. It's funny. There was a couple that left halfway through the film. I oh, think really? it was due to the intensity. I was trying to sort of get a read on what they were feeling as as we were watching along. And they seemed like they were enjoying it. But I don't know if it was just... It was a little too intense and a little too gory. Or maybe one of them just, I don't know, ate a dodgy hot dog and had to leave. But like they Fair. did leave halfway yeah. through. But it was a good time... Lee Cronin, who wrote and directed this, has done fantastic. He respects the source material. He takes some of that familiarity from the legacy of Evil Dead, and then uh, you know puts his own spin on it, and that spin is great. So, yep, Evil Dead Rise, eight bit approved. My favorite movie of twenty twenty three so far, oh,
0: wow. and I cannot
1: wait for more of it.
0: Oh wow, beats Mario.
1: Mm. Yeah, beats Mario handedly. Yeah, he grabs oh, wow. that turtle shell and rams it right up Mario's ass. Oh, it's hot
0: dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching it, especially hearing that it is a condensed, condensed viewership. But, like, if it is as grotesque as... And I really kind of partially hope it did send that couple out because of how nasty it was looking. Because I do, I do enjoy a good gory movie as long as it doesn't get overdone too much. It's done... <laughs> done tastefully. <laughs>
1: mm. if that's a no, that's thing. a good way to describe it. Like it doesn't, it's not gore for gore's sake. Like it's not just hitting you over the head with Constant, yeah. gore and shock and viscera. Like the, the, those big moments, they're not every five minutes, but when they pop, they really pop and, and they sort of stand out for the right reasons. I think.
0: That's yeah, good to know. Yeah. I look forward to watching it when I can.
1: It's so good. It's so good. And shout out to uh, Nell Fisher who plays Cassie. She plays the, the youngest daughter of Elisa Sutherland's, uh, who plays the mother of this film called Ellie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nell is, I reckon she'd be no more than 10 years old. She's the cutest little thing and she's a hell of an actor. And it's always interesting when you have children involved in horror and really gory horror and what will or won't they do as far yeah. as will, will these kids get injured? Will they lean into the horror? And is no one safe? I'm not going to say anything in, in that regard, but... The three kids that play as Ellie's children, really great actors in their own right, and their characters are awesome, but yeah, uh, little Nell Fisher as Cassie, adorable, and uh, she, she's one of the little MVPs of this film, but it is so great, and yeah, more people need to go out and see it if you're an Evil Dead fan, if you're a fan of horror, if you're a fan of gore, or you just want to watch a good movie and maybe get a little, uh, little shock value thrown in there too. Go check out Evil Dead Rise because it is available all over the world now. And, um, yeah, I want to see more of this broader universe because it is so good and <laughs> I loved it. I think I'm going to go watch it again this week. Oh, wow.
0: That actually is a big, big thing, getting the second viewership. But you're right. We, when it's good horror and good horror is being made, we really need to support it so we can keep on getting funding. And it goes for all forms of media. because. with uh, movies games even tv series and such just supporting it and showing that there's a love out there and a need for it so
1: exactly exactly like yes show your support with your wallet however you can when you can Mm -hmm. obviously sometimes in in life that's not always the case but if you can get out and throw some dollars behind these franchises in all those mediums that ali just mentioned do so because it'll allow them to make more of it and more of that that you can enjoy so yeah evil dead rise Two big ol thumbs up from me. It is so good and so gross and so awesome and <laughs> I want more of it immediately. Please and thank you. And uh, Lily Sullivan playing Beth uh who is Ellie's sister. She's great in, in her role as well. She's uh mm, phenomenal but very memorable moments in this in this film not only from a visual perspective but also the line you're hearing in the trailers like like when you hear Alistair Sutherland say that you know mummy's with the maggots now line it's just like it's one of the creepiest lines you'll hear in in horror and it's used in a lot of the trailers and the advertisements of the uh of the film leading up to the release and it's just oh it's, it's it's a skin crawler and I cannot wait for more of it and to talk about this movie with more people because it's so good so good I'll
0: get on I'll get right onto it
1: yeah, once, once you're done playing these games, you're going to tell me about it at least. So, uh, what have you been doing, Miss Hart? Tell me the I, things.
0: I, first of all, I've been actually playing games. And second of all, I've been playing games other than Fortnite. I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually given the opportunity to play two games that have been piquing my interest, um, both been gifted to me. So, um, the first one I'm going to talk about is just a quick little builder um, that my husband gifted me because as soon as we saw it um, appear on my, like steam page for you recommendation i was like yes yeah, Steam, you got it damn right um the game is called against the storm it's by erin games uh currently on steam and the best way to, to me to describe it it's a fantasy city builder where you are rebuilding a civilization up against uh like a, an apop- apocalyptic takeover mm-hmm. and um you are acting as a uh as a queen's viceroy and the thing is is that the the civilians that you look over are uh humans beavers lizards but they've got like a kind of fantasy angle to them so you know they're all bipedal and they all have their own little skill sets and everything so it's it's kind of set in a fantasy universe where you start in a small block of land and you have like little sections that are kind of misted out that you can't see, and you obviously open them. Some of them have resources behind them, and other the, and others have little quests where if you don't complete them on time, you if you complete them on time, you get benefits. If you don't, then Bad things can happen to your city and civilians and everything like that. So, but it's just so well made. It's a gorgeous little design. It's got really beautiful music in the background, and I like this kind of semi roguelike kind of element where it's you don't know what you're where you're landing, you don't know what's surrounding you, and like every playthrough is going to be a little bit different. So, um, I also love the system where you are you have to please your people, which is kind of usually common in a lot of city builders, but you also have to appease the queen as her viceroy and if you do she rewards you but then obviously if you get to a stage where you don't appease her then it's game over essentially and you have to start again but um, for anyone that likes city builders maybe looking for a change I do recommend against the storm it, it was just a recommended by steam I bought it and I'm absolutely obsessed with it right now
1: it looks really good. Like I I knew nothing of the game until just today, but like I'm just looking the art style reminds me of, remember like the original Warcraft games like yeah. before we got World of Warcraft. It's got that sort of Very similar, yeah. Very similar art style. The art looks great. I love this sort of roguelite city builder mechanic that they're weaving in there where those past expeditions you'll you'll bring along your resources yeah. and upgrades and you don't really know where you're going to end up. So it looks fun and it's reviewed really well It like is. on Steam. It's 10 out of 10 based off nearly 9,500 reviews. So yeah. people that have played this game love it. Currently 25% off, so it's 1499 USD on the Steam store right now. But it looks it looks fun. It looks like I'd enjoy playing this. It and is. I'm watching the trailer, watching some of these graphics now, and I'm like, hmm, maybe... Maybe I just need to pick up a copy of this, and and when I eventually play some games on this PC, yeah, play maybe a of this because it looks Maybe it'll fun. be your first
0: PC game. Maybe. It's it's very forgiving too. Like there's obviously a, like if you're a person that's familiar with City Builders, it's obviously a very good entry point. But for people that maybe are a little bit new, the tutorial start is pretty pretty decent in guiding you through. So it doesn't completely treat you like you're dumb, but it obviously gives you the guidance you need to familiarize with how this game plays a little bit different. Um, But Mm -hmm. there's all these other little things in it that like I can appreciate the most, the littlest, tedious one that I love is in a lot of city builders, when you kind of have to build up, you, you know, you have like a, like a, a lumberjack or a little, little lumberjack camp and a little harvesting camp. And then once you build it and then you're, you run out of supplies out of that little segment, usually you're Mm -hmm. like, well, now I have to destroy this building because it's done. I've depleted the resources there. But with this, a lot of those resource collecting um, sites are actually portable, so you can move them. So that's that's one thing I love about this game is that there's a lot of building sites where it gives you the option to relocate and move. So... That's just one little thing that I love, but there's all these other little things, um, uh, especially with upgrading your town. There's um, segments where you can upgrade as favor from the uh, from the queen, um, mm-hmm. so she will give you the ben- she'll give you other resources or buildings that could benefit and make your town. F- town folk like happier. Something like a smoke something like a smokehouse, something you'd appreciate. So you can have mm. grilled meats and everything like that. And then there's other p- things like, you know, specific homemades for the humans or the lizards or the beavers or whatever. Um yeah, there's all these other little elements to it. But I definitely recommend anyone that, like I said, like city builders or maybe have wanted to look into it, um, just check it out on Steam. Look at a few videos, read the reviews. As you said, it's getting really positive reviews, and even I'm one of them. It's it's fantastic. I love playing it.
1: It looks super fun, and uh, I, I was I think I was pretty sold from from your initial pitch. But then now you've, you've mentioned smokehouses, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I'll I'll throw some money at this one and, and play it eventually. Uh, it's it's funny, and on that sort of same same tone of playing things eventually, I've been trying to play the new Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores DLC oh, right, all week. Yeah. But I've had no success because I haven't played my PlayStation 5 in many a month,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and my cloud save from last year, when I finished the game in full, no longer exists on my PlayStation 5. It is gone. I am a PlayStation Plus subscriber, so I have access to the the cloud save and everything. There hasn't been a break in my monthly subscription, but... My saves do not exist from last year on Horizon Forbidden West anymore. Uh, it shows all the, the trophies I've popped. It shows the mm-hmm. hours that I put into the game. Mm-hmm. But my saves from last February-ish aren't there. I've spoken to PlayStation support. They can't help me. I've tried to export my clouds cloud saves back to the console. I've done a whole heap of resets and import exports. My saves are gone. Uh, my, my experience with Horizon Forbidden West now no longer exists as far as being able to jump back into my my save after I've finished the game and continuing. And you can't just jump into the new Burning Shores DLC. You actually have to get a certain way in the game before playing the DLC. So I haven't been able to play it at all. And I have been so angry. I've been I would so be mad, frustrated.
0: Especially being a fan of the
1: I've been looking forward to playing this for a good long while. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to be playing this week. I'm going to try and smash this DLC out to talk about it in good detail here on THG. And I haven't even been able to play 10 seconds of it because I can't access it. So I'm going through the processes now to work out the best way to make this happen. I have some ways to to get there where I can... Wow use this like use somebody else's save but then use this other piece of software to be able to change the oh. the ownership of that save into my, uh, into my gamer tag to then access it that way but it's a whole heap of hooey that I need to navigate through over the weekend but during the week it really annoyed me and stressed me and all of the negative emotions because it's all I wanted to do and I couldn't do it and I couldn't wrap my head around what happened because... You know, it's in the cloud. Like, I'm not up in the cloud there breaking things. Like, it just goes up there and does its thing. Like, there's saves from other games in my cloud save still from, like, three, four, five years ago. But this isn't there. And I don't know what's happened. And so, uh,
0: The save is also not on your local device? Or not like, on
1: the local, not on my PlayStation 5 local. You didn't have an external
0: locally. save? No.
1: Oh, no. It's, uh, it's just, like, it's a mystery. I have no idea what's happened. And Sony are very confused and perplexed about it as well. But the the final end result of back and forth with Sony, they were just like, sorry, bro, can't do much about it. We deeply apologize, but we don't know what else we can say. So I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I didn't get to play any of the Burning Shores this week. Damn. So instead, I've been playing my way through Dead Island 2, which has been developed by Damn Buster Studios, published by Deep Silver. Uh, shout out to PlayOn for throwing me a key on the Xbox Series X. So I've been taking my frustration out on hordes and hordes and hordes of the undead, killing them in many, many a creative way with many, many a blunt force slash melee based item. And mm-hmm. it is very enjoyable. It is very fun. Anyone that's played the original 2011 Dead Island or Dead Island Riptide after that, uh you'll know the formula, you know, first person survival horror with some RPG-based elements where you can upgrade all sorts of weaponry and you've just got to, you know, sw- swing and slash and smash your way to uh, survive this uh, zombie apocalypse. So uh, Dead Island 2 is set in between or set in Los Angeles and also a bit of San Fran, but they call Los Angeles Hell-A-A. It's uh very on the nose, but that's what they very much lean into. It's it's okay. uh it's a bit cringy, so Hele is uh the the slang term that you'll see a lot of in Dead Island 2. But it's pretty fun, it's very enjoyable, it's set ten years after the events of the original Dead Island, but it's just absurd. So the game starts and as you load in, you've got six individuals which which the game has dubbed as slayers and they're all very unique. You've got um different buffs and like strengths and weaknesses on each of these six individuals and that will alter how you want to play. Like some might do higher percentage of critical damage. Some might be more agile and faster on their feet. Some might be able to take more damage because their health or their survivability is higher. So depending on what you want out of your character, you've got that sort of base to build off and they're all very unique. You've got like a stuntman, you've got an exotic dancer, a retail worker, a mechanic, there's a hustler and then there's an athlete, I think is the six archetypes, you could gotcha. say. Mm-hmm. I, I selected Carla, who is uh, this mechanic and she's this fiery Latina woman. And, um, you know, they're all very large in life. They're all like, not caricaturish, but like they're all very distinctive characters as far as how they talk and interact mm. and whatnot. And the game starts where you're running towards this this airport to get onto a plane to fly out of Helé because the infection is starting to pop off everywhere in, in California. The plane ends up crashing down. Uh, you survive the crash. There's a few other survivors with you, and then you're like, shit, what do we do? Let's just get out of here. And someone you meet during this survivor is Emma Jaunt, who's like a, a big Hollywood actress, and she mm-hmm. lives close by because this, you know, accident happens in LA, in in Hollywood. I guess you could say this accident, and she bails off, but she's like, "Here's my address. Come to me if you want safe haven." And so you navigate your way through a heap of zombies and a heap of other stuff. You get to Emma Jaunt's house as that central hub, and then it's like, "Okay, we need to work out how to get out of here. Let, let's go to a quarantine zone. Let's find the army." Etc. Etc. And so you start making your way through uh, California, which is sort of set up as multiple hub worlds. It's not like one big giant open map. You're going to a certain zone. Would you like to enter? Press A. Loads in, instances you gotcha. into the next piece. And so you make your way through the story. The aim of the game, obviously, yeah, is to get out of uh, Los Angeles with yourself and all the survivors and just uh, you know be free of this zombie apocalypse. So there's all, all the fun tropiness of a good zombie based game here there's there's different enemy archetypes there's your standard you know let's say the shuffling type of zombie the slow ones that are the brains and then you've got the fast runners that you've seen in like 28 days later Mm -hmm. and then you've got you know big other giant sort of hell beast looking mutated mutagen ones you see in in all the zombie games these days there's a nice variety of enemies that you come across the creativity with the weapons is great like you can pick up a, a generic blunt device go to one of the workbenches upgrade it and turn it into like a, a blade that can then electrocute things or it can set things on fire or you know it can do more types of damage because you can sort of really customize how you want to play and how you want to slice these things up it's really fun graphically it looks very impressive like Dam Buster Studios have done very well with this game considering Dead Island 2 has been handballed around studio to studio over the years uh, when it was initially sort of announced way back in 2014. So this is nine years in the making, this game. And it's really fun. It's really enjoyable. It's got this uh, thing called a flesh system in the game, which I guess we're starting to see similar things more in a lot of horror games where when you are swinging a sharp or a blunt instrument at a certain type of zombie that flesh will wear away off the bone or that arm will break off and then it'll be left with just half of it or the f- half of the face will go. Like, it's very creative in is how you can kill and take down these types of infected. Some of them are, are, are immune to certain um, elements or certain weapon styles, so you need to get creative to maybe, you know, take them out of the legs first and then finish them off by stomping on their head. Like, it's super gory. It is super gory. And mm. some of the the finishing moves you do to some of these undead where you're, like, punching through their face. Like, you're seeing your, like, from first-person mode especially, you're sort of holding the zombie by the throat and you see your other fish just come through and punch right through their face, pushing out the back of their head. Then you see your arm pull out and you can just sort of see through the zombie's heads. Like, it is intense. Like, it's not for the squeamish because it is gory. There is a lot of death, decay, and destruction shown all around A and San Fran as far as uh, the the ripple effects of the zombie outbreak. There's there's dead bodies everywhere. There's guts and viscera and corpses. And it's really, really well done from that uh, standpoint. It doesn't, doesn't sort of pretty up or, or try and make this zombie outbreak cutesy or funny. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it is funny in tone where there's some zingers between characters, but like looking at the broader world and this zombie outbreak that's happened, it is horrific and gross and very unsettling, but it's super fun. Like it's not a perfect game, But, you know, I'd I'd give this a fat 8 out of 10, 80 out of 100 type of vibe. I've been really enjoying my time with it. I haven't finished it yet. Apparently, it's about a 20-hour runtime. I think I've put in about 10 to 12, I'd say, this week. But it's been really enjoyable. I'm looking forward to sort of seeing what happens at the end of the story. Great cast of characters, great variety in combat, really, really lived-in environments that you work through and just the gore factor it like went hand in glove with like, after watching Evil Dead Rise and jumping into something like this, it felt like almost a continuation of that vibe where it's just creepy and gross and gory and bloody and fun.
0: Yeah, I've got to say with all the content that's been kind of slowly dripping out, like now with people saying that they've been playing it and with the reviews <laughs> and such, um, I'm actually impressed with the graphic quality and the detail that has been put into this, uh, something that is just a zombie game. Like I know it's kind of shitty just to kind of put it in the it's just a zombie game category but i am still really impressed with the details that have been put into this game to really sell the point of how gruesome and gory the game is like i'm really impressed like that tearing of the skin and the Mm -hmm. the impact damage that you can like with various weapons or even your fist like it's gross, but because it is so gross means I'm very, very impressed. Like, it's it's the attention to detail as well. It's, it's pretty incredible.
1: It's really good. And the cool thing about it too, outside of the really gross skin-tearing attention to detail, you can play this game online with two friends as well. So, you mm-hmm. can play it standalone, single player, or you could jump in. Once, like, you've got to get through, I guess you could say, a tutorial for intense intents and purposes or get through let's say the, the first chapter and then from there the game opens up and gives you the option to to bring friends in or just randomly open your lobby so anyone could join you potentially so that will i've only been playing it through solo so far but i imagine playing with two other people will really add to the insanity that is this game because when these hordes are coming at you it is really really fun but also a little bit heart racing because there is occasionally enemies you'll see where they'll have a little skull above their head, which means they're, you know, a super powerful variant and they can they can one-shot you if you're not careful. So you're not mm-hmm. this one-man or one-woman wrecking machine. Like you take a lot of damage and you can get knocked down or killed very easily, which is kind of nice where there is that risk and reward because it is predominantly merely focused. So you need to be in these enemies' faces all the time. But yet you can get one shot and be taken down by this horde pretty swiftly. So I'm looking forward to playing more of this game over the next couple of weeks with a couple of people on board because I think that will add another nice new uh, nice new wrinkle to the to the gameplay loop and, and just make it a lot more fun. Like it's really enjoyable and fun from a solo perspective, but playing it with two other people I think will add to that enjoyment and take it to another level. Yeah. No, I can imagine. But yeah, it's available on everything. It's on PlayStation, Xbox, PC. So uh, if you're looking for some fun, mindless, zombie-killing, violence and uh, chaotic franticness, check out Dead Island 2 because it's been super enjoyable. And uh, yeah, well worth your time. Well worth your time. Very, Very highly recommended. Something else that we highly recommend is heading on over to shop8bit.net, which is our official merch store. Do yourselves a favor and get yourself a tea hat, hoodie, or everything else in between over there and get it on your person ASAP. Once you're done checking that out, head on over to videogamesandculture.com, which is our place for all things 8-Bits. Be sure to join our Discord server with direct links to that in the episode show notes. And also follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at weare 8 bits. But Miss Hart, let's jump into this. This week's news headlines. Presented by Audio-Technica. And the first bit of news. Capcom has announced the first four DLC characters coming to Street Fighter VI. They also dropped a new demo this week that is available right now for PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 owners. Four playable characters are set to join Street Fighter VI roster within its first year, and they are as follows. Rashid is coming in the summer of 2023. Aki or AKI is dropping in autumn of 2023. Akuma in spring of 2024 and Ed in the winter of 2024. And obviously they are sort of US-based seasonal mentions there. So if we're talking Australia, just rotate them accordingly to the Southern Hemisphere. And yeah, as I mentioned, that Street Fighter VI demo is available right now on PlayStation. And this lets you play the initial part of the world tool mode and create an avatar that can be used in the main game when it comes out in June. The demo will also launch on all platforms on April the 26th. So... At time of recording or at time of release, you'll still be able to play this exclusively for a day or two more on PlayStation, but a day or so after that, you'll be able to download that on PC or Xbox. So they have been really, really, really hyping up and showcasing a lot of Street Fighter VI over the last several months leading up to the release. And I'm keen, I'm excited. I like that they've already announced the four playable characters coming in that first year. Surprising to see Akuma come as... A piece of DLC instead of a mainline uh-huh. roster character. He's been a stalwart of the Street Fighter franchise for many, many decades, but it looks fun. I'm actually going to try and download this on my PlayStation today and give it a play because I want to work and play around with that avatar where you can create yourself in the game and then, you know, fight right. as yourself. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna feel fake tough because I don't think I can fight very much in real life, but hopefully I can fight a little bit in Street Fighter 6. But it uh, looks fun. I'm excited to play it in June. Like, we're not the biggest uh, fighting game purists, but we enjoy it casually.
0: Yeah, a casual fight game every now and then. I would love to know what the player base, how they feel about characters being held. I don't know if it was confirmed if it's paid DLC or if it's just general DLC. Um, but having characters kind of behind a DLC wall and especially, I know Akuma is like a very, very popular character and having to wait till 2024 to play that character in a game might be a little bit frustrating. I know that Super Smash Brothers has done the DLC character paywall, seasonal drop, um, and I, I think it kind of worked for the fan base, but I think that was them more kind of injecting more life into the game. So I'm wondering if that's what Street Fighter is doing here, just to keep the game relevant and uh, the player base continually supporting it. But yeah, I, like already announcing, saying like, hey, the game isn't even out yet, but we're already going to hold some characters uh, uh, aside. <laughs> Uh, but I I don't know I don't I, maybe it's normal maybe it's pretty standard maybe everyone's okay with it but to me I just kind of I'd be a little bit put off by that.
1: Yeah, it's a bit sneaky from Capcom, but I guess there's some method to the madness where this will hopefully keep the player base around for at least twelve months. You know, it'll keep people sure. rabid, or we might see a dip after a few months and then they'll come back when these, these seasonal drops happen. But yeah, they've they've announced like the roster scene's pretty pretty full. To begin with at launch and Mm -hmm. there seems to be some positive hype around street fighter 6 i got to play it like an early version of it at the crunchyroll expo late last year and it was pretty enjoyable and i love what they've done with the art style where they're mixing in that sort of colorized pop and, and sort of graffiti based you know highlights from a visual perspective like it looks really 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 aesthetically pleasing so i'll play a little bit at launch will i become a professional street fighter six fighter no way in hell but i'll certainly enjoy it for a little while there when it drops in june especially because it's making its way to xbox as well obviously street fighter 5 was a a console-based exclusive for sony so it's Mm. nice to see it popping on the other platforms as well but yeah sadly no akuma at launch uh which is you know a bit surprising but He's a, he's a figurehead, and I guess because he's got such a big name and, and big attachment to the franchise, he could be that sort of uh, that hook sure. to pull people yeah. through to next year. But uh, yeah, get that demo in your hands right now for, for Sony Sony players. You can get it right now and then just wait to the, uh, the 26th of April to be able to play that demo on Xbox and other platforms too. So uh, moving to a bit of a... Different toned news, that's for sure. Gary Bowser, who was sentenced in 2021 to 40 months in prison and a $14.5 million fine for his role in in the Nintendo Hacking Group Team Executor, has been released from jail. However, the massive amount of money he owns in restitution may impact his entire life and livelihood. Bowser was indicted in 2020 alongside two others for their activities as part of the hacking ring that sold chips allowing users to play pirated games. Despite having a smaller role in the operation, Bowser was the only one ultimately tried and convicted in the US. He has only been able to pay off $175 of the $14.5 million owed so far and his pay will continue to be docked until the full amount is paid off which will definitely be impacting his future earnings so he is uh, he's paying this off until he's dead pretty much essentially and, like knowing how some of these these payment plans work he will never pay that full amount off like it's it's interesting like he's been told like he's been fined 14.5 million dollars but the way the legal system works and i guess governance works in various countries or or cities is there's there's a way where you can sign up to agree to pay pretty much the bare minimum Mm -hmm. you know in your monthly fortnightly weekly pay cycle whatever it is and it feels like he somehow got his lawyer to agree to with nintendo to pay the barest of minimums here the fact that he's only paid off 175 dollars to date when he was sentenced 2 years ago.
0: There's a reason for that. It's that's yeah. all 175 I believe in what one of the articles had kind of written was that that was how much he could muster up working in the prison jobs. Okay. in the library so that's all he could put together while he was while he was in jail so in prison so Yeah. But it's it, the thing about this story is seeing how different people have been throwing their opinions at it. Some people are saying that it's way too much, and you know, Nintendo's such a big company. Why the hell are they hitting a guy so like so badly? And then other people are like, like you literally broke the rules. You got found out. You this is what you get. This is what a punishment is. So. Mm. Um, it's just been pretty interesting to see, like, the diversity in um, people's opinions on whether this has been too harsh or not, or just, just justified. So, I, th- I thought that was a pretty interesting story that's so far come out.
1: What is, uh, what's your stance? Is, is it too harsh or is it justified? Where do you stand on this one?
0: Well, I'm a Libran, so <laughs> I'm I, I'm really bad at asking to pick a, a pick a pick a side on this thing. I am a believer, unfortunately, of the whole like, hey, you broke the rules. Like, I feel like you knew you broke broke the rules. You know you were breaking breaking the rules, so you should get a punishment. Whether the punishment is severe, especially considering he was in a team of three, like he was one part of a th- group of three, and he was the only one that got punished because the other two. Didn't get you know extradited into the u s or found i believe one was in china um i I think it's rough that he is getting the lump sum of it, but yeah I'm just kind of like I don't know like you know you you play with fire and you get burnt like it's it's a weird kind of scenario where it's just like I don't know like like do you, do you, does Nintendo get him for a certain amount or once he's paid a certain amount and they'll be like okay there we go we we absolve you you know kind of thing like who knows I just I just think it's kind of weird to say like, 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 oh, he doesn't deserve it. it's like, so what yeah, people can I, I agree I don't with know.
1: You. He, he certainly deserves it. Like, yeah, the, the punishment fits the crime. Like he didn't just fall into this by accident and didn't have any idea what was going on. Like, yes, even though he had a smaller role in the operation, he was part of this team executor hacking group. He knew what they were doing. So it's not that it all came by, uh, like it was a surprise to him and he was clueless to what was happening here. And, yeah, like what you mentioned too, it feels certainly like, oh, uh, Gary Bowser is getting made an example of here because, yeah, they weren't able to get the other two members to take through the court of law as well. So he's the only one they've got. So he's the one that's going to cop it all. And and he's feeling the wrath for his constituents as well. And yeah, Nintendo, like, they don't muck around. They like, it's, yeah. it's clear that, that they take their IP and uh, they're very protective and very serious about what people can and can't do with said IP. Like the fact that they are very uh, diligent with copyright striking or requesting takedowns on YouTube content, Twitch Fighting content, etc., etc. Yeah, like they're particular on who can utilize their, their characters or their product and why. And when it comes to this, when it was genuine criminal-based activities... Of course they're going to send the full strength of the law at them and yeah 14.5 million it feels like like I don't know how old Gary Bowser is but let's just say he works for another 30 years he ain't going to pay even half of that off even a quarter of that off like they will never get that full 14.5 million but yeah, they'll certainly make him pay a portion of his, his income until he's dead slash retired. So, yeah, Nintendo are going to get their pound of flesh back for this, that's for sure, because they are very ruthless when it comes to this stuff. And, yeah, you get what you deserve, right? He he did the wrong thing. He got caught out about it. He's now dealing with the, the legal ramifications of that. And I'm like, that's justified. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't an accident here. Like, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah, but... uh yeah, it's 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 crazy. Fourteen point five million. Imagine having to like get told that you gotta pay back fourteen point five million dollars. I would cry very yeah, much.
0: Yeah. I'd probably wanna stay in prison.
1: Yeah. Yeah <laughs> and work in that library yeah. forever. I'd like to work in the library. I think it'd be very nice. But anyway, uh, moving on. Next bit of news. Nintendo related again. Peaches, Bowser's powerful love ballad, which has been so eloquently sung by Jack Black was de- and a dedicated to Princess Peach in the Super Mario Brothers movie, has officially become a hit song on the Billboard Hot 100. So this little banger is charting now and they've since done a, a film clip to accompany that and Jack Black is doing his thing at the piano and just being large and in charge and whimsical and chaotic and it's being Jack Black, really. Like, the song, like, it's, yes, it's a song, but it's not really a song. It's very short, and the majority of the, the lyrics are peaches, mm-hmm. but it's a fun time. And, yeah, I guess it just shows the the hype of the movie slash also maybe the pull of, of Jack Black and his quirkiness, the fact that it can sort of attract and chart the way it's done so far in the Billboard Hot 100.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm being punished because it was the one <laughs> thing that I didn't really enjoy about the movie and now it's getting thrown in my face just constantly. But, I mean, it's now hit the billboards. I think people are saying that they want him to win an award for it as well. They want it to be nominated for, like, best, like, was it Motion Picture Soundtrack or Song of the Year or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to be the last appearing of it and... um I think I just need to come to terms with that. I'm going to be hearing it a lot.
1: Yeah, it's going to be around a lot. It's probably getting cut up and spun up on remixed TikTok and, and Instagram right and remixed every which way. So yeah, old peaches. It's going to be it's going to be around for for many many a moon yet, Miss Hart. So sadly, mm-hmm. you're going to have to strap in. Something else you can strap in for. Uh, Blizzard has announced another chance to play Diablo 4 before launch in June. The Server Slam, as they're calling it, is going to be running between the 12th to the 14th of May of 2023. So, Mm -hmm. a little over a month's time, or a little under a month's time, you'll be able to uh, experience Diablo 4 on all the platforms if you did miss the closed and the open beta that were running. Earlier this month, slash the back end of last month. So, uh, are you going to jump back in? You're going to play some more Diablo 4? Have you had enough now to be ready for June?
0: No, I'm definitely jumping back in. I've missed it. There's also um, some goodies attached to it if you reach level 20 again and I believe beat a boss. Um, So, um, that's probably going to be my goal because, you know, we all love that exclusive gear to shove in the face of others. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Are you going to be playing a different type of character this time or are you Probably going to stick not. with your sorc?
0: Yeah, I'm going to stay with my sorceress.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try I'm going to try something different, I think. I'm going to going to see one of these other weaker rated characters. I'm not going to play the barb. I couldn't really give a rat's ass about the barbarian to be honest, but I'll I'll try one of the others.
0: Yeah. I uh... I, I think I'm going to stick with the sorceress, but they're just. I'm wondering if they've already implemented all those changes that they addressed recently, um, that they've done within the game. So that should be interesting to see if those cha- changes have been implemented for this little server, server slow. Yes.
1: Very excited for some more Diablo Four next month, and then yeah, the the game coming out in full the month after. So uh, it's going to be a good time. Gonna be a very good time. Uh, something else that's happened this week, which is a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. It's it's a brand we don't talk about too heavily here, but is still hanging in there. And that is Atari, and they've whipped out its wallet and snapped up the intellectual property rights for over 100 retro games from the 80s and 90s this week. This includes Bubsy, Demolition Racer, and more. Specifically, Atari's new acquisition spanned the PC and console game catalogs of publishers, MicroPose, InfoGames, Accolade, and Atari also now owning the Accolade trademark, which is uh, something to be uh, mindful of as well. We don't have the full list of the retro IP that it now owns due to the recent splurge, but there is legendary bouts of nostalgia scattered here and there. As far as what they're going to be doing with these newfound treasures, Atari says its goal is to expand digital and physical distribution of the titles, including bringing some of them to consoles for the very first time. And it's raising the possibility of creating new games based on its freshly acquired IP as well. More predictably, the publisher is also planning to, in quotes, explore the brand and merchandising collaborations. So if you ever wanted a t-shirt with Bubsy's face plasters all (laughs) over it, your dreams might finally be about to come true. Atari says the acquisition is part of a multi-year effort to transform the company, a process which has promisingly recently seen it collaborate with the legendary Jeff Minter to reimagine 80s arcade prototype R, and released last year's excellent Atari 50, the anniversary celebration interactive museum collection. So Atari, still hanging around, still doing its thing with its funky little wooden or faux wooden-based consoles, and now they've got... Some games from our childhood, like Demolition Racer and Bubsy, especially from that list. I spent many an hour playing those games, and I fondly remember jumping around as Bubsy and uh, you know throwing balls of yarn at animals and all various little creatures you fight. And then there was a lot of Clint Eastwood-based references in <laughs> Bubsy, I remember, on the SNES game. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll get a get a new Bubsy in 2024. Who knows?
0: I never thought that I would hear about Bubsy again. To be honest, as much as I've heard <laughs> about him in the last week or so, um, my knowledge of Atari products and uh, related games is a bit like bit faint, unfortunately, because um, I wasn't an Atari kid. But I I love that we have these retro games, retro consoles, kind of coming together and like kind of like keeping these retro style games and hopefully doing whatever they can to bring it back in the forefront uh, for the younger generation to experience. Um, I know the Atari... Celebrata- Celebration Interactive Museum game that they did. I watched a streamer play it and I actually love what they did with it in like educating the history of Atari and how it came to be while also demonstrating the, the games that were released at the time and hitting their the point the year points and kind of going through that timeline. I thought that was really, really well done. So I'm all for it if it's all about educating and bringing, bringing gems from the past into the, the present for the younger generation
1: yeah i'll be very curious to see what happens with this like atari over the last few years have been very active to try and get back into that console space and obviously they released a console originally they did sort of funding from from crowdsourcing to to try and get that happening and that was rolled out Uh, i don't know how well it's been received i didn't get my hands on one obviously we got the the lego atari collaboration as well Mm -hmm. so you can get yourself some lego atari should that be something that you want to add to your collection but yeah let's see what they do with some of these ip uh the fact that they've got access now to a hundred additional retro games that they've acquired in this purchase could lead to some very nostalgic experiences which i'm not sad about um and you know more games more competitions healthy for everyone so uh let's see what happens and yeah, completely agree regarding that interactive museum. I watched a few little highlights on on YouTube and it was really, really well done really and well fun done, yeah. and educational. And it's just cool to see. So, so more of that as well would be awesome. Uh, something else that was a little bit awesome, we got uh, another Nintendo Indie World Showcase for April of 2023. And it provided some release dates as well as uh, updates on long-delayed games along with a handful of surprise releases in the indie version of the company's popular Nintendo Direct format. And I'll just sort of run through these main announcements and we can sort of jump in and, and add more insight where applicable. And, uh, you know, going by the play-by-play, Minico's Night Market has finally gotten a release date after eight years of development. Uh, we saw My Time at Sandrock landing in summer of 2023. Plate Up, which combines Overcooked with Roguelite Mechanics, will be launching in October of, excuse me, of 2023 quilts and cats of calico an official video game adaptation by monster couch visualizes the original board game and will be out in fall of 2023 rift of the necro dancer received a new trailer for nintendo switch and also a spin-off which is a spin-off of crypt of the necro dancer and it will be released later this year animal well is confirmed for early release in 2024 crime o'clock gets a release date of june the 20th of 2023 Shadows Over Loathing is making its way to the Switch later this year in 2023. Tesla Grad 2 and Tesla Grad Remasters are now out. They dropped that week at time of announcement. Blasphemous 2 got its first trailer and release window of this coming summer slash Australian winter. Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals gets a release date after previously being delayed. Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach will be releasing on the Nintendo Switch. We also got Paper Trailer, which is coming in August of 2023. Little Kitty, Big City coming out in 2024. Chance of Senna is coming out on September the 5th of 2023. Bro-Tato in 2023. Escape Academy Complete coming out in fall of 2023. Bomb Rush, Cyberfunk coming out on August the 18th of 2023. And they've also confirmed new DLC for Cult of the Lamb known as Relics of the Old Faith as well as Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, going to be receiving a major update Mm. so a lot of little announcements there miss Hart. anything you want to cherry pick and talk about uh, in a little bit more detail there
0: yeah monico's night market um was a cute looking little game um it reminds me of into the woods um Mm -hmm. like it it has this really really gorgeous art style um and so that one's going to be put on my radar and blasphemous 2, which has like castlevania kind of vibes but i just love the the enemy design in this one um i'm not usually into that style of game but i think just how bleak this one looks looks pretty cool to me so i'm keeping those two. Oh, and obviously rift of the necrodancer because i'm a big fan of crypt of the necrodancer so i'll have those three probably on my radar
1: yeah o- outside of those three the other one i wanted to highlight was Oxenfree 2 lost signals obviously this is a game that we've been waiting on for a while. Night School Studios, uh, which who were acquired by Netflix over the last uh, you know several years, will be launching on Switch as well as PlayStation and PC and mobile on July the 12th. It's funny because the original Oxenfree was heavily partnered with Microsoft slash Xbox and it is not anywhere to be seen on Xbox <laughs> for July the 12th. So I don't know what's happened in the background there from a relationship breakdown perspective. But this game was originally announced in 2021. It's set five years after the original game. I'm not going to spoil anything because the original game is fantastic. It's got a great narrative, some great emotional hooks. (laughs) It's well worth playing. It's well worth checking out on Xbox Game Pass unless it's been removed. So don't quote me verbatim there that it's (laughs) it's still on Game Pass right now. But uh, yeah, it's going to be serving as a standalone story, but tying to that 2016 original. I cannot wait for this to come out and play it on a console that's not Xbox, but maybe play it even on like mobile or something like that. Who knows? We've got some options for Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals there, but that's another one that I wanted to highlight because the first game is is a very special little indie.
0: Yeah, I know it's one that's really um, held with high regard and it's definitely been on my to-play list. So I'll have to see if I can fit that in before the second one gets dropped.
1: Damn straight. All right. And the last bit of news we're going to be tackling here on episode 324 of THG. PlayStation is set to acquire AAA multiplayer developer Firewalk Studios. So um, they've been working, like Firewalk Studios have been working on a live service game for PlayStation 5 as well as PC. And if the name sounds familiar, it's because Sony had already announced it would be publishing Firewalk's first game way back in April of 2021. It's the third dedicated live service game studio that PlayStation has acquired over the last 18 months alongside Bungie and Haven Studios. Firewalk was set up in 2018 as part of Probably Monsters, which is a collective of AAA game developers. It was formed by a number of Bungie veterans, including studio head Tony Hsu, who is the previous general manager and senior VP of Destiny at Activision, and game director Ryan Ellis, who is the previous creative director at Bungie. And at... At time of recording right now, Firework now boasts over 150 employees. So Firewalk is going to be the 20th developer to join PlayStation Studios. And we've got a little press quote here. We've had the privilege of working with Probably Monsters and Firewalk for several years, and our team share the same ambition to create meaningful experiences for gamers, says head of PlayStation Studios Herman Hulst. Firewalk's innovative approach to connecting storytelling and its commitment to high quality gameplay continues to exceed our expectations. I think fans will be very pleased when they see what Firewalk has in store for them, end quote. So this is interesting because, yeah, they've, they've had a bit of a, a partnership or an agreement leading up to this as yet unannounced, as yet unveiled uh, AAA live game that Firewalk has been working on. And now Sony have just, I guess, liked what they're doing so much behind the scenes. They're like, you know what? We're not going to risk this anymore. We're just going to buy you, bring you into the fold. And yet no one in in our periphery, outside of, I guess, people in Firewalk and Sony directly, have seen what the hell they're making. So it's crazy that they've been acquired without publicly unveiling anything as far as this AAA multiplayer game that they're working on. But uh, it's awesome to see, like happy for everyone involved at Firewalk to get picked up and, and hopefully uh, you know, get a little bit of extra cashish in the pockets with his acquisition. Sure, and hopefully yeah. having Sony behind them even more officially now will allow this game to, to evolve and, and be further elevated.
0: Yeah, it's a credit to the creators and everyone that's involved that they've pretty much had this push from... PlayStation, Sony, just to say like, yep, we support you in everything that you do. Also genuinely surprised that they already have a staff of 150 employees already. Um, it just feels like the only yesterday that we kind of heard their initial announcement and obviously, you know, had my attention by having two people that were involved with Bungie and, you know, Destiny alike. So I'm always like, you know, paying attention to the next possible you know, I guess, influence Destiny title. So I'm Mm. very keen, very keen to see what uh, comes to be in the years to go, I guess. I guess we're not going to see anything soon still.
1: You'd you'd hope so. Like the partnership was announced two years ago Mm -hmm. in in April of 2021. So you'd think a trailer or a gameplay slice released publicly isn't that far away, Mm -hmm. but... Like you said, the fact that this studio has 150 employees working there already—that shows that I reckon this game's pretty deep in the development cycle, or sure. it's going to be a very big, big, epic potential live shooter, and maybe it will rival or be on that same tier as a Destiny, which mm. I think we'd all be very mm. happy for. Like competition is great, and they've got some ex-Bungie vets in this team, so that they knows they know what's in that that destiny secret Source. so if they can spin that up into something new i think we could be treated with something uh pretty special whenever it comes out in the next several years i guess
0: yeah we're (laughs) just like whenever we see it maybe hear about Mm. it possibly coming out maybe
1: yeah i wonder if we'll get like a little teaser a little taster in uh i guess game yeah summer games fest as far as the the conference season that is june so uh, we're not too far away. Let's see what happens in the next six-ish weeks. Maybe oh. maybe we'll finally see what uh, Firewalker got cooking up here. Maybe. But if you don't want to wait until potentially 2025 20, to play this as-yet unannounced uh, live service AAA multiplayer game, do not worry because we got y'all covered. New releases and events. As far as new podcasts dropping this week outside of episode 324 that you already listened to right now, you can check out another episode on More Than Hentai covering Blue Period, where myself and Tom, aka The Wraith, a former professional wrestler, joining me in the studio <laughs> no to talk way. about Blue Period, which is a fantastic slice-of-life anime focusing on art and the creative process around that. It's really mm. great to watch. It's on Netflix, 12 episodes Subbed or dubbed depending on your preference there, but really enjoyable, really fun. And yeah, that episode will be out later this week on the More Than Hentai and Anime Appreciation podcast. Things coming to the small screen this week. We've got the second season of Sweet Tooth coming oh, to Netflix. Yeah. I really enjoyed the first season. It I remember super saying cute, you saying like it. Very heartfelt. Citadel uh, debuting on Prime. We've also got season two of From on Stan debuting or returning this week. As far as films, Making their way to the big screen, not a ton here, just eighty for Brady. <laughs> Jeez. Which um, I don't know if anyone's seen the trailer or, or know the the premise of this, but it's a bunch of uh, a bunch of elderly women or older women, I should say. I don't want to disrespect these women. A uh, bunch of bunch of mature women mature uh, have a little them. bit of a bit of a crush and a bit of fandom for Tom Brady, the uh, the former. New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. And, uh, yeah, so it ties into American football and some type of elderly-based hijinks. If, if that's your thing, you can check it out thing. on the big screen this week. Uh, but if you wanted to play things on the smaller screen, there's plenty of games coming out this week as well. I've got After Image, Strayed Lights, Desta, The Memories Between, Bramble, The Mountain King, Kazuna AI, Touch the Beat. Lego Brick Tales, Live Alive, Omega Strikers, The Last Case of Benedict Focht, uh, <laughs> the fuck, <laughs> The Last Case of Benedict Fox, Monster Hunter Rise, Sunbreak. And Star Wars Jedi Survivor all coming out in the next week release cycle. Plenty of games there. Anything on that list particularly taking your fancy, Miss Hart?
0: Part of me says obviously Jedi uh, Jedi Survivor, but I I didn't finish the previous one, so I don't know if that's gonna have an issue on playing the most recent one. So I might have to investigate that before I dive in.
1: It's so good. I'm very excited to play Jedi Survivor. It looks great, and I finished the Jedi Fallen Order game so I know what happens in that story and I'm ready to to jump back into Cal Kestis's boots and see what he's up to this time but uh yeah plenty of games there to check out uh Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak obviously the the Capcom Monster Hunter jaunt that has been a Nintendo and PC based uh flavor for a good long while now making its way to PlayStation Xbox is also something that could be appealing for fans there jump in and hunt monsters together with your friends. But uh, yeah, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is what I'm going to be sinking my saber into this week. But Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of another episode of THG. Anything else you wanted to mention or shout out before we close this studio down for another week?
0: I was meant to talk about a game I played and completely forgot about it. So I'll <laughs> talk about it next week. If, uh, if anyone wants to maybe play it before and then they can kind of get the experience, it's Pizza Tower. So... Play oh it. yeah, we forgot about Pizza Town. Yeah, <laughs> play it before I discuss it. I'll I'll bring it up next week. Okay.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. It like looks like a little great. book
0: club kind of thing.
1: It looks great. Uh, obviously, it's only available on Steam right now. Oh yes. But the so. art style is fantastic, and yeah, all the positive chatter I've seen from from mutuals on on Twitter has been blushing and glowing about Pizza Town. But I'll
0: talk about it next week.
1: Okay. So, coming back next week to get uh, the full spoiler-free thoughts on Pizza Town and much much more. <laughs> <laughs> all right, happy nation. It's time for us to get on out of here. Be sure to rap your subscribe. Us and all the other podcasts to listen to, but until next time, much love
0: and stay hungry. <chat deductibles>